Amazing grace. I think we take for granted how sweet that sound is. When we're in the church, sometimes we get used to certain words like grace and mercy and even forgiveness. And it just becomes words we know and sometimes sing instead of words that impact us and change our lives. But what can change a life more than his amazing grace? That's why we're here. That's how we're here. And it's why we need to take advantage of the opportunity and freedom we have to proclaim it boldly and compassionately. To proclaim it to those who want to hear and those who even at the moment don't know that they want to. There are many who are seeking and don't know what they're seeking. I just finished a book entitled Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. Remarkable story of a Muslim who in earnestly trying to understand his own faith encountered a Christian who introduced him to Jesus and as he checked it out, he realized that's the truth. We have something amazing to know and to share. So let's do it. We're never going to be able to do it, have the strength to, the wisdom to, or the courage to do it unless we pray. That's why we're looking at this leading into these special services, a kind of a timeout, if you will, and these services to just pause what we normally do and bring in some outside voices to challenge us and to encourage us and to confront us at times. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, whether you're here or at home, I invite you to turn with me in the New Testament to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be taking a look as we continue this series, igniting your life through prayer. Now, I explained last week that that doesn't sound good grammatically. I've not always been known to sound good grammatically, but this one was intentional. That it's not a matter of igniting our prayer life, it's igniting our life, period. And the greatest way to set our life on fire and our soul on fire is to be in prayer. You know, I can preach on all kinds of things, and one of the most guilt-inducing ones is if I say something about prayer. Because I've yet to meet anybody who said, you know, Pastor, I... I'm just wasting too much time on prayer. I've never heard that. Early in life, middle way in life, or at the end of a life, I've never heard anybody say, you know, if only I had prayed less. <laughs> I've heard the opposite often, including from me. The issue is not guilt. The issue is living this out, praying, to truly pray. You see, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. You know, well, that seems so simple. It does. And yet we want to read about prayer instead of pray. We want to sing about prayer instead of pray. We want to research it instead of praying. I love sports. Almost any kind of sport. I grew up in Indiana, so basketball was number one love. You know what I discovered? If I wanted to get better at basketball, I needed to play basketball. 
It didn't get me a whole lot better to read a lot about it. Oh, you could learn a few things, that, but then you had to go out on the court and put it into practice. When I was in sixth grade, the church that my dad was pastoring um, built, they were building a new building, so they built a parsonage first, and then they were building the church building. And uh, at our old house, we had a, a hoop up, and so I was wearing that thing out and got to the new house, and they didn't put a hoop up. But I was like, well, I can shoot anyway. So I just kind of, in my mind, envisioned, here's where the hoop is on the garage, and I just shot onto the roof. Finally, one day, one of the ushers turned to one of the other ushers, and they talked to the board, and they said, we need to put a hoop up, or that boy's going to destroy this new house we just built. <laughs> so they helped us get one up, and I was shooting all the time. I was so into it that when it got cold out, and... When something is outside filled with air and it gets cold, it kind of contracts. And so it doesn't bounce very well. So I kept three basketballs by the front door. I would go out no matter how much I had to bundle up and shoot. And I would shoot until the first one couldn't bounce. And I would take it in, get the second one and shoot until it couldn't bounce. Take it in and get the third one until it couldn't bounce. Take it in. And by then, number one had warmed up enough that it would bounce. And I would just keep going. Because I knew... If I was going to get any better at basketball, I had to play basketball. The Lord reminded me of that this week. Oh, not my prowess in basketball. Although, just ask me, I was good. <laughs> but about my lack of commitment to prayer. I was willing to bundle up. I put on ice skates when we had an ice storm so I could go out and shoot free throws on the ice. Go, ah, that was dedication. You bet it was. So why don't I pray that way? If I want power in my life, I need to pray. My guess is you do too. Last week, we looked at what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Probably better titled the Disciples' Prayer. And just broke that down as that pattern that we need to use in praying, giving honor to God and confessing for ourselves and reaching out to others, not only in giving, but in receiving and in living this thing out. This morning, we're taking a look at Mark chapter 9, a passage that is a little different in this series. I invite you to follow along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, says, when they came to the disciple. Jesus and three had gone off on the Mount Transfiguration and they came back here in verse 14. They saw a great crowd around the disciples and the scribes were arguing with them. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, that's Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? 
Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell to the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. It's often cast him into the fire or into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Our theme in this series has been Luke 11, 1, where the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all the things they could have asked, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Not how to write better social media posts. Lord, teach us to pray. Not how to preach better sermons. Lord, teach us to pray. Not even how to heal. Lord, teach us to pray because they recognize that the power comes through the prayer. The changed lives start with the prayer. And I look at that and look at the end of this passage in verse 29. And I see that statement that Jesus gave. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. See, the beginning of this story shows defeat and disappointment even despair on that father's part. He was defeated because of what was going on with his son, disappointed that the disciples couldn't cast out the demon, and so he was in despair. And then Jesus came. That's the most important part of this. But let me ask you, have you ever felt defeated, disappointed, or in despair about something in your life? Kind of a... Ridiculous question, right? Of course we have. Maybe you're feeling that way today. Maybe the better question is, what are you facing today that needs to be driven out of your life by prayer? Could be a situation, a circumstance, a burden, a physical need, an emotional need, a financial need, a question about the future. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand, and we'll explain in a little bit. But just because we pray doesn't mean that what we pray for, God will do. He can, and we'll get to that in a moment. But it's him who does it, not us. But we have to believe in order to pray it at all. So how do we get to that point? Number one, you need to bring it to Jesus. See, the people, when they saw Jesus, turned from arguing with the disciples and ran to Jesus. They were amazed at him and all that he had done and what he had taught and who he was by his life. They didn't see all those middle-of-the-night prayer meetings. 
All those times he went off by himself. For there to be great power, there needs to be great prayer. So bring it to Jesus. Bring it in prayer. We've said the last few weeks, you don't have to have the right words because there are no right words. Just lay it out before him. He will even interpret your groans and your tears. He'll mix it all together and sort out what we really mean and what we really need as we bring it to Jesus. But we've got to bring it to Jesus. Verse 17 and 18, Teacher, I brought my son to you. The man knew who to go to. Do you? Where do you go first? You Google it or pray about it? Ouch. We need to bring it to Jesus if we're going to pray like Jesus. Because you see, he is the only one who can heal anything. I am so grateful for advances in medicine. (laughs) Been experiencing some recently. Looking forward to some others. But it's through Jesus that it happens. He inspires those who do it, whether they acknowledge him or not. But it is only Jesus who brings the healing of the needs in our life, whatever those needs may be, whether obvious or hidden. But we can be a conduit. (coughs) We can be a conduit for the healing, for the answers to flow through us. But the healing and the answers only come through Christ. But the conduit has to be open. We have to be open for him to flow through us. And sometimes that means praying, Lord, unblock what's there. Get rid of what's holding me up, what's preventing, stopping, delaying me to be and to do what you have called me to do. Bring it to Jesus. If you don't get any further in the message, get that one. Bring it to Jesus. Anytime, all the time. For anything, anywhere, bring it to him. Remember, as we said last week, he loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's on your side. Why would you delay bringing a need to somebody who loves you that much? Number two, we must believe and submit. We must believe and submit. Verse 19 Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And I want you to notice they did. The father came to Jesus first. He wasn't there. He didn't see him. So the disciples tried. It didn't work. And then he grabbed him and brought him to Jesus. He submitted him to Jesus. Have you submitted your needs to him? I don't just mean that casual prayer of Lord bless me. First of all, if you haven't defined the blessing, you don't know if you've been blessed. That's one of those that bothers me. And we pray, Lord, bless all the missionaries. Well, name one. Then you'll know. I love, I got a note just before the service of the name of a 10-year-old child in the Ukraine that somebody in our church has been supporting as a compassion child and said, please pray for Dasha. I love that. I got a name to pray for. 
I've been getting reports through the denomination the last couple of weeks of different ones and those who are ministering. Some we can share where they are, some we can't for safety purposes who are ministering in the war zones. I like getting that because I'm praying specifically and now I can check to see how Dasha and others are doing. Bring it to him. Believe and submit. We must believe, first of all, that Christ can. The Father said to him, (laughs) if you can, verse 22, do anything, help us. (laughs) I love Jesus' answers. Probably not what we normally think of when we picture Christ. He went, if I can. (laughs) That's the beginning. To believe that he can. You say, well, pastor, I I have trouble with that because I prayed for some stuff and it didn't happen. I understand that. I understand that feeling. I don't understand why it didn't always. But I understand that. But the issue is, did you believe he could? Not if he would. I bring the need saying, Lord, here's what I desire. Here's what I think needs to happen. I'm bringing this to you because I believe you can change this. I remember growing up and hearing some people make a comment that now really bothers me. I would hear them talk about somebody who wasn't a Christian and sometimes they would say, we got to see them get saved. They would make such a wonderful Christian. It finally began to dawn on me, who wouldn't make a wonderful Christian? Anybody away from Christ who comes to Christ will make a wonderful Christian. Christian, it's not the before, it's the after that matters. Thank goodness I am not my past because I've been forgiven and redeemed by that amazing grace that Tori sang about. Do you believe? We must believe that Christ can. We start there, and sometimes we can get hung up there. I get it. I've been there where it's, Lord, I'm having trouble believing you can do this. But then we need to pray like the Father did. Help my unbelief. But I'm jumping ahead. We must believe that Christ can. We must have faith that he can. I love this. My friend Ed One of my college gang of us five, um, that sounds really bad, college gang, but five of us had been friends since our freshman year in college. Remember Ed saying one time that he said, Dennis, I had this revelation about faith. And he said, I recognize that as I look in scripture and live my life out, that God rewards every step of faith we take, no matter how small. Now, the reward's smaller on the smaller step, but he still rewards it. Sometimes he has to reward a shuffle. Can you relate? Sometimes I can't even lift the foot up. I can just slide it forward a little. God rewards every step of faith. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. And we must submit to Christ's will. That's where Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Don't misunderstand that verse. It does not say all things will happen for those who believe. 
but all things are possible. And it starts with a possibility. If I don't believe it's possible, why pray about it? But you see, I do believe it's possible because I believe he can. So I bring it to him. Say, Lord, if you will, here's the need. I mentioned last week that some of the greatest answers to prayer I've gotten have been when he said no. Because I've realized later, man, am I glad that did not happen. At that moment, I thought that's what ought to happen, but it wouldn't have been the right thing. But we've got to believe and then submit ourselves, our will, and our needs to him. Bringing it before him, believing that he can, and knowing that he cares. If you believe he can and know that he cares, you can conquer all kinds of things if you just pray about it. Third, we must pray as this father did. It's a prayer I probably ought to pray every day. Verse 24, the father said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, that's a contradiction, no? He's saying, I believe and I want to believe, but I got so much further to go. <laughs> there are parts of this I don't understand. Parts of this I begin to doubt. So Lord, help my unbelief as I believe. Help my unbelief as I continue to follow. Even sometimes shuffling. Even sometimes crawling. Even sometimes with my eyes so full of tears, I can't see the next step. But I believe. Help my unbelief. There are some of you that that needs to be the prayer you focus on this week. It's Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm beginning to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's easy the longer we've been in the church sometimes to fool ourselves into thinking we don't have any unbelief. To rationalize. We're just being practical. I don't have doubt. <laughs> but it comes back to do I believe that he can? Do I believe that he loves me? Then I can ask for anything. He may lovingly say that's not the best. As my friend Charles Lake used to say, there are three possibilities. He may say no, he may say yes, or he may say, I got a better idea. But we don't know until we bring it to him, even in the middle of our unbelief. Verse 24, some of you need to write that on a card and stick it a whole bunch of places. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe the big question this morning is, will you pray that prayer? Sincerely. Not just a rote thing. Pastor said we should say this. I'm going to say this. But to sincerely pray, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You may not even know where it is. He may need to show you where your unbelief is. We rationalize and we cover up and we pose like we know when often we don't. 
Lord, help my unbelief. And then great things will only be accomplished by prayer. Great things will only be accomplished by prayer. I believe it was Mother Teresa who was credited with saying, small things done with great love will change the world. Well, I believe when it comes to prayer, even small prayers can make great things if we keep praying them. Great things will only be accomplished by prayer. That's why Jesus said, this kind cannot be driven out but by prayer. You say, well, that kind of evil spirit, I, I haven't encountered that. Well, what about an evil thought? What about full of doubt? What about shrinking back from what we know we've been called to do? What about allowing Satan to continue to do nothing but remind you of your past instead of allowing Christ to keep reminding you of your future? I love the phrase. Satan knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. Individually to him. Because he cares. Because he can. And you don't know if he will until you bring it to him. So start with, do you believe that Christ can? Sincerely. And if not, that's where you're praying, Lord, help my unbelief. And then do you have faith to pray and believe? If not, Lord, help my unbelief. And remember, no matter how small your faith may be, no matter how feeble your steps might be, God rewards every step of faith, no matter how small. So just slide that foot forward an inch or two and watch what God does. Watch how he ministers. Watch how he fills you. Watch how he speaks to you. See, this story started with divine, or excuse me, this story ends with divine deliverance. It began with despair, disappointment, even defeat. But it finishes with powerful divine deliverance. Because this kind only comes out through prayer. What is it you need to come out? What is it you need to get past? What is it you need that answer for? That unless you pray, it's not going to happen. So let me ask, have you confessed your belief? Including your unbelief? Have you confessed your need for more faith like this father did? Will you pray and believe? Sometimes we need to be like the little girl in the Miracle on 34th Street movie. At the end of the movie when they were trying to convince her about Santa Claus, don't get hung up on that part. And they were saying, yeah, there must be something to it. You just have to believe. Even if it doesn't make sense, you've got to believe. And she is muttering that to herself on the drive home when suddenly they see the house she'd been, you know, wishing for, etc. I'm not sure God's going to 
drop a house in your lap like that, but what I do believe is that's a perfect picture where she's going, it doesn't make sense, but I believe. It doesn't make sense, but I believe. And it may be that whatever you're praying about that needs to come out of your life, you may need to say, very similar to that father, it doesn't make sense, but Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Are you willing to pray that prayer? If you are, God will meet you there. And then who knows what might happen? Because according to Jesus, all things are possible for those who believe. Jesus, thank you for believing in us. Thank you for loving us and loving us so much you don't desire for us to stay the same. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace that allows us to believe what you said that all things are possible. Lord, I don't know if they'll happen. I may be praying wrong, but Lord, I do believe that with you, through you, all things are possible Help my unbelief. Lord, give me the courage to pray it. To pray about my unbelief. To pray about the needs. To pray about that thing that can only be driven out of my life by prayer. And Lord, I pray that I'm not alone in seeking that. That all across in here and those watching at home or elsewhere, we would begin to pray that recognizing it's only by prayer, and though we're struggling with it, we believe, help our unbelief. Because I know if we'll do that, you will set our hearts and our lives on fire through that prayer. In Jesus' name, the only name that is above all other names, I pray and plead for this. Amen.